there are people throughout the world that have interesting stories to tell. Stories of heroism, acts of kindness, near-death experiences, successes, and failures. You usually hear of these stories from people that live in another state or country. But what about the stories from within your own community? Everyone has a story to tell. And by everyone, we mean your neighbor, your coworker, the person behind you at church, people you interact with on a daily basis, or maybe even you. Welcome to the DTB Podcast, presented by the Bless Your Heart Nonprofit Corporation. I'm Brennan Mathern, and I'll be your host as we speak to some of the most interesting people on Bayou Lafouche. The DTB Podcast's focus is to provide a platform for people up and down Bayou Lafouche to share their stories. Sometimes that goal involves walking down memory lane, much like our last few episodes. But today we're sitting down with Bart and Amanda Matisse of Chack Bay. They are here to share about their son, Evan, whom they tragically lost to suicide last year. And we hope this episode can provide awareness, support, and resources to individuals in our community. According to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, suicide is the second leading cause of death for children ages 10 to 14 and third leading cause of death for individuals ages 15 to 24. To put this data into perspective, this means that on average, one person dies every 12 hours due to suicide in Louisiana. So on that note, we want to welcome Bart and Amanda to the show. Bart, Amanda, thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. So like we start every podcast here uh, with with the good old down the bayou saying, uh, we want to know who's your mom and dad. We want to get to know you before we get into your story. Tell us about uh, tell us about you, your family, where you grew up and how you guys met. I'm I'm Bart Matisse. I'm 46 years old. I grew up uh, in Thibodeau off of Tiger Drive. Uh, My mom is Carla Schwartz. She was a Yuse. My mom and dad divorced when I was young. My father's Thane Matisse. He was a state trooper for 25 years. Uh, went to Thibodeau High, graduated in 94. I met Amanda at a Renee's Bar in Thibodeau. Good old Renee's, Renee's Bar. Bar. <laughs> My name is Amanda Cato Matisse, and I'm originally from Shriver. Uh, my mom is Carolyn Babin, who grew up in Bayou Blue. And my dad is Earl Cato, who um, grew up in Missouri. And my dad had the infamous Shriva Auto Parts, the junkyard, where I grew up learning how to pull parts to earn money. <laughs> that was my chores. Um, and so I lived in Shriver until... Um, actually, until Bart and I got married, which will be 20 years in October that we've been married. And um, since then, we have had three beautiful children. Um, I am currently a case manager for Easter Seals, um, where I work with children with disabilities to make sure that they get the services that they need. I'm in the process of transitioning to Lafouche Parish government. Um, I will be the new uh, community action executive director soon. And Bart? Yeah, I, I uh, work for Pipeline Construction Maintenance out of Homa, Louisiana, for Mr. Mike Fazy. He's a senator. I also am in the reserve for the Lafouche Parish Sheriff's Office, uh, which I really enjoy doing, and uh, kind of help helps a lot uh, doing both. Uh, I really enjoy giving back to the community. Is why I got into law enforcement. Uh, my dad did it. I never wanted to be a state trooper. I always wanted 
uh, worked for the sheriff's department. Uh, I was always intrigued by the old logo with the man with the push pole, for whatever <laughs> reason. Uh, we're a real down-home family. We do uh, all the South Louisiana things that we grew up doing, you know, cookouts, hanging out at people's houses, uh, just having a good time. We have a very strong family unit. Um, we have our oldest daughter, Mallory. She is um, 19, and she is going to be a junior at Southeastern. Um, so she is actually going to school for psychology and a master's in mental health counseling. And um, we have Hattie. Um, Hattie is 11 now, and she keeps us busy. She's always on the go, cheering and playing volleyball and TikToking or whatever they do now. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we have a special bond with them, but we also have one more child, and and he is the reason why we're here today um, because we unfortunately um, experienced something that we never thought ever would be possible in our family. So tell us about Evan, uh, Evan Matisse, who we lost in August uh, of 2020, Tell us about uh, his life and, and until up until that day. Uh, talk about, you know, his friendships, uh, what it was like at school, his hobbies, his passion, things like that. Yeah, Evan was born May 4th, 2004. Uh, he was 10 pounds, 3 ounces. Uh, he had the little nickname of Baby Hambone. We call him Ham. Uh, he was a very intelligent little kid. Uh, he liked cars. Uh, that was his biggest thing when he was little. Uh, Lightning McQueen and Thomas the Train. Uh, he was a, a, a mama's boy. Uh, this is a, a kid that went to any baseball game, always caught a ball. Uh, we went to Miami, me and him. We've been all over Zephyr's, LSU, high school game. If he went to a game, he caught a ball, which if he wasn't playing it. Uh, my dad took me and my brother for years to games, never came close. Uh, he just had that little nick in him that he can just catch balls. Uh, I thought that was unique. Uh, he liked gaming. Uh, he played a lot on the games. He had a good group of friends, about 14 guys that uh, that still talk to us. We still communicate with them. Uh, just your average down-home boy. Uh, I remember one time we went to Branson on a field uh, vacation. They had a pond. So him and his little partner went out there at night and went frogging. They had a security guard riding around. They would duck off in the water, just say face show, so the guy wouldn't see him, come up with frogging. <laughs> that's, the, that's the kid we had. Uh, uh, he was kind of down for anything. I mean, yeah. he was just the kind of the laid-back kid, the, um, the super intelligent kid. Um, he was projected to be valedictorian of his high school class of 2022. Um, he had a 4.0 average, um, just never gave us any trouble. You know, we try to think of all the memories we have with him, and they're all great memories. Yeah, he was also a very caring kid. Uh, at the age of seven, uh, he was going through his baseball equipment and decided, told Amanda one day, he goes, Mom, every year we buy a new bat. What happens to all these old bats? What about the kids in our community that don't have gloves and this and that? He said, I think I should 
I want to do something. So Amanda said, well, whatever you want to do, Evan, what are you thinking? He goes, what happens if I collect all these items, clean them, and give them away? So we did it. Uh, Scott Sanders from Tiburon that went to Tiburon High, pitched in major leagues, and Mr. Jerry Sanders. Uh, They got uh, Amanda and Mr. Jerry worked together, so Scott jumped aboard and said, hey, you know, I'm going to spread the word because he was doing – his kids was in travel ball at the time. So Evan collected – It was over 500 items. 500 items. Cleaned them himself. And then the day we gave it out, uh, within 30 minutes, everything was gone. And then the big drop off was that was the nothing against them. Uh, the, the paper came and wanted to interview him, and he hated that. That was like the cutoff. So he didn't want to do it no more after that, because he wasn't doing it to be recognized. Uh, he just wanted to help. He said he thought everybody should be able to play ball, you know. Just the caring part. Uh, the teachers at the school he went to, which is a valve, said every morning he would go up and put a school bag down and go in the back of class and talk to the special needs kids, seeing how they're doing every day. He was a, the caring kid. He was big into politics. Uh, uh, Jeopardy, he'll walk in the room, he can answer pretty much about 90%, of, 95% of the questions uh, very quickly. He was just that, that, that type of kid. Yeah, absolutely. He always stood up for his friends, and when he saw something that he didn't like or if a kid was being bullied, he would step in. I actually received a Facebook message after Evan passed away um, from a mother who said that she will never forget that her son um, was bullied a lot on their baseball team. Evan played. um, He loved baseball. He was a left-hander. Um, great little pitcher and first baseman, and um, that she will forever be grateful that Evan stood up to the kids that would bully her son, and um, you know that she would never forget it. And I just, you know, cried and cried and cried that day because I had forgot about that. And um, so he was just that kind of kid, you know. Um, he never got into any trouble. Um, he was. I recently got a another message from someone who just found a, a teacher that had just found out that he had passed, and she explained to me that he was um, one of the most respectful kids that she had ever um, met, and you know, just he was just a good kid. I mean, but as he started, well, I guess when he turned thirteen. Um, 12, 13, he decided he no longer wanted to play baseball. He, he felt that the, it wasn't fun anymore. He felt the, he played travel ball and felt that the fun was gone. He said, it just isn't fun anymore, mom. Like we feel, I feel like, you know, the parents are just too involved and, you know, just, it's just too much and I don't like it. he, He felt that kids sports should just be played by kids parents shouldn't be allowed to go watch because he felt felt that gave too much pressure and it's I don't know he he told me one day it sounds like some more about the parents than it is about the kids we just want to have fun yeah definitely so from that point on he had stopped playing baseball and you know we didn't think anything of it we wasn't pushy parents we always uh all we said was you have to you start something you finish it so you got to finish the year you know and as a father, I mean, like I told him, he was like, man, he said, Dad, you upset? I was like, no. 
I said, I, what I enjoyed doing was watching you succeed at something. I don't care what it is, as long as you got something to do. I mean, I enjoy watching you play. I will miss that. But if that's not what you want to do, that's fine. I mean, there's other things you can do. So we we, we, we wasn't pushy. Uh, a bunch of his friends got together on the team one year. They was going to make a team that was going to Tipper High. They played for one summer. They said, I'll get used to playing with each other. And like the first practice, uh, it was just kind of like a bunch of guys get together. And he looked at me and goes, I really don't want to be here. I said, well, that's your friends. You go tell them. Well, at the end of practice, he got up and told all his friends, hey, look, I'm really not into this. I want to take time away from y'all. Y'all can play this. Cool. So the coach came up to me, man, what you told your son? I said, bro, I didn't think he had the guts to do it, but he got up and told y'all <laughs> what he felt. And look, his friends still talk to him. I mean, it just it took a lot for a kid that age in front of your friends and tell him, hey, I don't want to play ball with y'all because I'm not interested in this no more. Uh, like Amanda was saying, just his intelligence, I think that – I think that really got to, I don't know if it got the best of him, but I think it contributed to it. But it made him, maybe, he always told us he never wanted to grow up. And that, and that's what I was going to get at is, you know, listening to his story. I mean, he sounds like he would have been an amazing friend, an amazing person to know, uh, and, and, and very intelligent. And I know a lot of our listeners are probably listening to this story and, and are relating. Uh, I know I am with, with my kids and, and the different aspects that, uh, you know, of, of the character traits they're showing with Evan. But, but obviously at some point something had to change. Did, did y'all notice any changes in him towards mm-hmm. the end? No, it, it's, it's really, I mean, uh, being a law force, enforcement officer and Amanda being in uh, mental health the uh, first five years of her career, uh, we, we taught to look for signs. So, I mean, you go through that checklist. I'm pretty sure every parents go out there and got a checklist. They're like, oh, they're not doing this. That's what I've seen. Uh, we really didn't have no no signs of, of any depression, any uh, thing, different behavior. I noticed behavior. that he kind of like – he didn't like to go places. Um, he became kind of an introvert. But, um, I mean, he's always been that way. But he was always an introvert. Um, but this day and age, all teenage boys want to stay home and play video play games. Play in their own. So you know, is, is that normal? Rooms. I mean, you go through these things like, is this normal behavior for a kid this age? Uh, there was nothing that stood out to us. Uh, I think that's what got me the hardest uh, with that was like, did I miss something? So, I mean, it, it, it ate me up for a little while because I, I went back to, from the time he was born. Uh, Amanda did the same thing of, man, it's, it's, was it a key that we missed? It was a sign. Uh, we looked in his behavior in school, nothing changed. His, his grades. His grades didn't change. Uh, his friends, he still had his 14 friends that he always had. He still talked to them. Uh, we talked to him after the incidents and leading up to his death. I mean, he he... he he did everything the day of. He was still in his happy, joking mood. So, so let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about, uh, and, and I know this will be difficult, but let's talk about and, and kind of recap that day that that y'all lost Evan. Just you know, kind of take us through the day that the morning of uh, the phone call y'all received and, and throughout the progression of the day. So the morning of uh, our oldest uh, Mallory was her move-in day at Southeastern in Hammond. Uh, so we, Amanda gets together, we, we get outside, take a picture, uh, Evan normally don't like to take pictures, so he came out there, 
joke with me. I used to always have a little saying after I cut the grass. I used to always tell him, look at a beautiful man's yard. So that morning, that the day before, he he cut the grass. So he walked out, said, hey, daddy, look at that beautiful man's yard. I was like, oh, all right, you got me. So nothing changed. Uh, no signs, no nothing. We take pictures. He took one. Then after that, like he's done. Uh, Hattie stayed with him that morning. Uh, my mom lives right behind us, which is normal routine. Hattie was going to a swim party. My mom was coming to pick up at 1030. Uh, we left the house about 830 that morning to go to go we, to Hammond. We asked him if he wanted to come with us, and he was like, no, there's just going to be too many people. If everybody's moving in, um, that's just too much, too many yeah. people. But he did ask something that I go back now and realize that that was something um, because he never did it before. He was very specific on the times. So he said, um, so y'all are leaving at this time, her move-in time is, because it was um, increments by your last name, um, Your move, her move-in time is this, um, so that means you guys will probably be back home for this time. And um, he was very specific in those times. So that was, that was something different for him. Yeah. Uh, from that point, uh, we leave. Uh, Hattie stays with, with Evan. Uh, another thing we we found out afterwards is uh, my mom comes to pick up Hattie to go to a, a swim party. And uh, Hattie goes, bye, Evan, I love you. And he answered her back for the first time ever and says, I love you too. Uh, then my mom picks, picks up Hattie, brings her to a little swim party. Uh, the last person to talk to Evan was me about that day, about 1130, he called to uh, – to uh, ask what to put the uh, oven on, the oven on to cook. No, not the air fryer. To put some uh, chicken nuggets or whatever he was eating, and Amanda's like four fifty for I don't know how many minutes, and I was like, right on this in your mom, I put it on this. He said okay, so that was the last conversation anybody had. Uh, from that point, uh, we moving in uh, Mallory. Uh, the whole day is just moving moving your daughter in and, and uh, going through that. Actually, that morning, I as being, I was a full-time employee of the sheriff's office at that time. I did actually look at the weapon that he chose to commit the suicide with to bring it with me. Uh, with that being said, people said, I mean, people think that if you took it, it wouldn't have happened. Well, if it wouldn't have happened that day, it would have happened another day. So I, I don't beat myself up on that. The reason I didn't take it was I'm like, I'm going to have an unlocked car. The gun's going to be unsecured. People will be moving in. They got people all over the place. So I left it there. And we have multiple weapons at our home. Uh, so we go on. Like, like everybody in South Louisiana so does. And and look, all, all my family knows where everything is, where every key's at. Uh, they all know how to use the weapon. Uh, being a law enforcement officer, you're not home at night, uh, so you, you teach your family to protect themselves. Uh, he's, he's the man of the house when I wasn't home. Uh, so from that point, we are uh, moving in Mallory. Uh, Hattie, at this time, comes home. My mom picks up her swim party. She's going to stay at my mom's house. Let's go check on Evan. 
So she drops off our little 11 year uh, at the time she's 10, drops off at the house. She walks up to the back door, bangs on it, he don't open. So she, with her own strength, uh, pretty much yanks the door open. The door was locked. Goes in the house, walks to his room, and yells, Evan, get off that machine. She walks in his room. Uh, she noticed that he's laying on the bed, and she describes to me that dad looked like he had two Jolly Ranchers in his nose. She didn't see anything. And then she went to touch him and realized that he had my uh, my uh, pistol in his hand. So she runs out, grabs the the, uh, the iPad, running out the house. By this time, my mom was running in the house. Uh, so she calls my wife. At this time, I'm parking the car, walking up to the apartment. The apartment's uh, on the second story. I'm walking up, and here comes my oldest one, Mallory, running down the stairs, freaking out. I'm like, oh, my God, we didn't even leave yet. And she found a roach is what I'm thinking. But as I'm getting closer, where I can see Amanda coming down the stairs, Mallory cannot utter nothing out. Amanda's shaking, and I can see my baby girl running on Amanda's phone, screaming. And then Mallory, uh, our oldest one, utters out the word, Evan has your gun. At that point right there, knowing how Evan researched everything and uh, and uh, how precise he was, I uh, I knew what happened. I knew what he did. I figured he committed suicide, and he did it correctly. Uh, Evan says Evan was little. Everything he did was always to the T. Uh, if we was playing, say, a game of pool, you would ask him to play. He wouldn't play play against you because he wanted to figure out what was the object of the game and how can he beat you. Then, once he figured it all out, then he would play you and beat you. Uh, from that point, it's, it's chaos. Uh, Amanda finally calling 911. They, they're already on en route. I mean, she's making calls from Hammond, so it's, 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 it's just chaos. So Mallory stays with her new roommate that we just met uh, probably a couple of hours ago. And from there, my police training kicked in, which uh, I would really like to thank uh, Sheriff Craig Weber for the stuff he does for his officers and training that he puts us in. Uh, kind of get choked up on this part because uh, that's how much it means to me. Some of this training we take uh, came into my personal life and got us through this moment. We had an hour and 15 minutes to get to our, back to my house, knowing that my son committed suicide. At this time, we don't know if he succeeded, uh, if he was still living. We don't know this. Uh, so we jump in the car, me and Amanda go. I'm driving. I call my dad. Uh, we call the pastor. I actually called our dispatch. I know they won't give me no information. I already know all the answers. Uh, just that's how I felt that day. Uh, so we did take a training, like I said, from the sheriff's office, which was CIT training. And they had a lady that spoke to us of saying how she was she she lost her son to suicide, and for seven years she chased why did her son 
do this. And she, at the time, she lost her husband, and her other kids won't talk to her anymore because she consumed her life with chasing this reason why. And still to this day, she had no reason why. So I started instilling that into my wife. The ride home uh, was kind of, I knew what was going on. So I was able to explain to my wife who was going to be being a, being a police officer. I was explaining who was going to be there, how long it was going to take. And I told her, man, as soon as we get there, you go to Hattie. I'm going to handle all the questions. But this whole time, I'm thinking that this was a mistake and that this didn't happen. That there's no way that Evan would have did this. You know, just the night before, Evan and I were laying in the bed together. And we were making fun of Bart because Bart was watching Gomer Powell. And I went in the bedroom because I didn't want to watch Gomer Powell, but he watches Gomer Powell every night. And so we were making a joke about it. And and so I'm thinking, somebody has something wrong here. Like, this is not true. This is not happening. This is not happening to my family. Like, you know, like, I don't know at this point what is reality and what is not reality because... I just couldn't, I just couldn't wrap my head around it because we, you know, we never saw anything like that. And Evan, we said that he kind of, you know, pushed away and, and stayed in his room a lot. But I mean, you can't really differentiate typical teenage behavior from, you know, suicidal behavior because, you know, that a typical teenage boy likes to stay in his room. He likes to game. He wa- likes to watch movies. So on this whole ride home, I'm, I'm just certain that I'm getting home. And this is all a big mistake. That this this is just, just a terrible misunderstanding. And that I'm going to see him when I get home and everything's going to be okay. But we get home and... Yeah. When, it's not what happened. So when we get home, uh, you always hear this. This people talk about this numbing feeling in your arms. Uh, I remember getting out the car, walking to me was uh, Sheriff Craig Weber and one of our detectives. Uh, I remember walking up, having that numbing feeling in my arm. Uh, it's hard to explain. I still get it. I still get it here and there. Uh, I remember shaking my hands. And I told the detective, I said, just give, give me five minutes. I remember reaching, bending down. And then I came back up, pulled myself together, and uh, he explained uh, pretty much uh, where they found him and everything. Uh, he, was, he was laying, sitting on his bed. He was asked me if he was left-handed. I said, yes. Uh, he used my pistol, a single shot to his left temple. Uh, from that point, uh, they did tell me that he left a note. So my wife and my girls, well, Hattie's at, at my mom's. Uh, so I have the the challenge of, do I tell my wife there's a note? What's in this note? I don't know this at this time. Uh, they advised that I'll be able to read it when they finish up everything. So I walked back to my mom's house to the back because Hattie's asking for her dad. Uh, leading up to this, I, I didn't go to the house to look at him, which I regret because my uh, 
baby daughter. Didn't have that uh, opportunity. Uh, on my way there I, to the house, I was like, I'm going to see my son. And being law enforcement, you see enough where you don't want to see your own. So uh, that's the only regret of me and my wife have is that we didn't go look at him because our daughter didn't have that opportunity. By she this didn't have a choice. choice. She yeah. got to see him that way, and we chose not to yeah. see him. So Mallory gets back from Hammond. Uh, I'm still debating what to tell my wife if they have a note. So I, uh, I said, man, if I don't tell them this, and they find out later that they did have a note, uh, I'm thinking somebody hurt my son. What am I do? You know, it's just all these. I have a decision to make. So I get my wife and the two girls away from everybody. And I explained to him, I said, look, from here on out, whatever happens, we're a family. We're going to do this together. Every decision is going to make be made from here on out. We're doing it as a family. Evan did leave a note. Uh, so at this time, uh, the sheriff's office has a, a thing called uh, police social services. They come out uh, when they have a crisis and they help the family. Uh, if your house burned down, they give you a voucher to get you somewhere else to stay. It's, 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 it's a wonderful thing that a lot of departments don't have. Uh, me and Amanda go, goes out and, and speaks on, on uh, CIT training, and a lot of departments look at us crazy when we, we, we tell them we have this little thing with the sheriff's department that helps our, our, our people in Lafourche Parish. And it's like, man, we never heard of this. So that's offered to any crisis thing that happens. And uh, so they're there. They they talking to Hattie, talking with my wife. Uh, so at this time, they they came get me and said, uh, uh, "You can come read the note. Then you know it's ready." So I I walk up. So that was the uh, that was a, a I guess a defining moment because I'm shaking just as much as I was when I first showed up to my house because I don't know what's in this note. So I read it. It says, uh, uh, Mom and Dad, I love you. Y'all did nothing wrong. This is the option I chose. You need to get over it and move on. The next page was his passwords to his banking account, his PlayStation, and his phone. And nothing changed with his handwriting until you get to the last part of where his banking information was was next to the plane tickets that we was going to Washington because he wanted to go to Washington that summer. Uh, from that point, everybody leaves. We go to my mother-in-law's house. Uh, if we didn't stay, that's, like I said, PSS office to get us room. I was like, no, save it for somebody in the community that needs it. We're fine. Uh, we went and stayed at our own hotel. We go to my mother-in-law's house. Uh, and then my mother-in-law asked the question why you had a loaded gun in your house so like i said earlier uh i said miss carolyn with all due respect when your son was that age didn't he know every key every bullet every gun yes yeah, she said yes yes but i don't mean it like that. i said no we're gonna get this out of the way right now i said when i leave the house my girls know where is that he knows that uh if I would have, if I would have had a lock, he'd have still known how to get to it. So uh, from there, we go to the hotel. The next morning, nobody. Our, our sleep, your sleep schedule after this is 
you have none. So we sleep at a hotel, sleep off and on. So next morning, about six, Amanda gets on social media and puts out this on Facebook. We live in a very small town and no people were, you know. Like to gossip. So Like to gossip and talk. And so I needed everybody to clearly understand what happened and which is why I made this post. And she and she put on a post and so this is less than twelve hours. She puts with great sorrow, disbelief, and broken hearts, our sweet Evan committed suicide. There was no signs. Evan liked to be home. He was super smart, quiet, and always smiling. We had no idea he was in any pain. The picture I posted yesterday, which was the day that Mallory was leaving for Southeastern, which had all three kids in it, <clears throat> was taken just hours before this tragedy. Please keep our family in your prayers. Please hug your babies tight. Our lives are forever changed. Rest my sweet baby. So after that, we, uh, I didn't want to go home. Matt, that I told the kids, we got to go home. We got to go make funeral arrangements. So everybody's up in arms. So I said, all right, y'all, this is what we got to do. I said, we got three major hurdles. I said, yesterday was the worst day of our life. I said, we got to make funeral arrangements, which is going to be tough. And then we have the funeral. I said, we cannot let the devil take the house away from us. That's our memories we have in Evan. I do not care if y'all ever go back in his room. I don't care. But we have to go back in the house. We can't. That's where we live. We can't avoid it. So it took a little while, and everybody agreed we could go in as a family. Uh, so we all went in. It, it took uh, months before some of us in the family went in his room. Uh, it's just something I felt we had to do as a family. Uh, we had to go make funeral arrangements, which uh, it's not... The, the girls who all had say-so, we uh, decided to cremate him. Uh, Evan didn't like people looking at him, so uh, and I couldn't see putting my son in the ground. So we ended up cremating him. Uh, my wife and my daughters have changed with his ashes in it. So when we go places uh, on trips, we take him with us. I have a, a dog tag with his fingerprint on it that I wear every day. My God, our community just came, like, whether it be food or cards or calls or just stopping by. I mean, our community just came together, and we were contacted by um, Chad and Mandy Pruitt with um, the Eastside Bike Riders Club, and they were like, we want to do a bike ride. In honor of, of Evan. In honor of Evan, and so... We kind of changed our mindset. Like, okay, he's gone, but we have to do something about this. We have to do something about this, what happened, the way he died, and we have to do something for our community. We, we always taught our kids to give back. Uh, Hattie, uh, who found her brother, wanted to read his eulogy that day. Uh, so we said, whatever you want, baby. And she nailed it. She had two and a half pages. Uh, she got choked up at the very beginning. And then uh, she had everybody laughing. It, 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 it helped her that day. Uh, she did go, we did bring us a counselor. Uh, 
we all went to counselors. I was the last one to go. It took it took uh, another law enforcement officer to kind of get on my butt about it. He says, "Look, you you making everybody else go, but you're not going. You need to go." So I mean, we you, you have that, and that's that's something that that people don't take in a, an account of 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 your mental health. Uh, I talked to somebody and they said it's easy to fake being happy. You know, so that, I mean, that stuck out to me. That saying that it's easy to fake being happy is so easy to get away with. Uh, and we'll never find out the reason why uh, Evan chose to commit suicide. All we could do now is is turn it around and give back and, and be there for other families. Uh, just recently uh, had a family in the Lafourche Parish area, lost a son, about 15 years old. Uh, they reached out to us two days after. So uh, we didn't have that, somebody to come to us and just talk, just have somebody to talk to of how it's going to be like, what it's like. I mean, everybody handles tragedies different and pain different. So uh, I didn't expect it to be that soon, uh, but it did make a difference for them. They thanked us. Uh, we went to their 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 child's funeral, which was tough, but we had, it's just another stepping stone. And, and I did want to touch on that too, um, where, you know, as, as the days and months progressed and, and, you know, kind of segue into where we are now, but uh, you touched on something, Amanda, that is so true. Watching our community come together after a tragedy is, is amazing. And um, if you've lost anyone as you guys have uh, tragically and, and unexpectedly, uh, you know that firsthand, and it's unfortunate that that's a lot of the times when you see that that passion is is when you've had a uh, tragedy. But it's it's amazing to see, and and you you don't know all the things that happen behind the scenes and, until until it happens to you. But but we live in an amazing place, uh, to to say the least. Absolutely, it gave me hope in humanity. It gave me a different outlook because all of these people, people we haven't talked to in years are reaching out to us and, like I said, bringing food to us, um, sending cards, just and anything that they could do, you know, and it just gave me so much hope. And I don't know if those people realize how much they helped us with where we are today. Because that immediate response from our community after has brought us to where we are today. Because we realize, gosh, if they could do this for us while we were in just at the worst point of our lives, then we can take this and we can do something good from it. And we can make a difference. We can save a life. Even if we save one life, it's a life. Um so that was just, like I said, it just gave me so much hope and so much pride. It just made me proud that to live in this community and to be so many people to reach out to us. And so many people reached out and said, I know where Evan was because I was there. And I was like, wait, what, you? No, like I would have never thought that. 
and so many people, you know, you have this stigma on the word suicide or this stigma on mental health or this stigma on taking mental health medications that um, a lot of people don't like to talk about it. But they opened up to us, both of us, you know, several people to both of us. Oh, about their mental health and, and and the things that they struggle with and that they were in a place where Evan was. You know, we, we, we taught as young men that you you become the man. You can't show emotion. Uh, that's, we, we gotta cross that point, you know. Even if you have a conversation with your son, it's okay. It's okay to feel hurt. It's okay to be down. Uh, after his funeral, uh, a teacher reached out to us and thanked us because the next day her son went to her and told her that he was having them thoughts just because at the funeral uh, I was put on a spot to get up and talk. Didn't, have, didn't know what to say, so I just went with the flow. And uh, it's a kid that I, I coached in Little League maybe uh, for a couple of years, and, and I, I don't know if it's something I said or something uh, maybe Hattie said in her eulogy or, or whatever. It just... You hear stories like that. Uh, still to this day, we still have people call us. Who should we go see? Uh, we have a counselor that says, if y'all need somebody, need something, you call me. Here's my personal number, and I'll make sure an appointment to get with them. Uh, we had to do that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's amazing. These people, like Amanda saying in this community, Lafouche Parish, I mean, we, we have the most sincere people and helpful people no matter where you live, or, or what's your last name? When it comes down to the need for somebody, people are there for us. Uh, gives us strength to do the things we do. Uh, we did a T-shirt sale. Uh, somebody reached out to us. I wasn't big about it. I'm like, uh, I don't know us. Like, so they sold us shirts. Uh, the the money we got from it, we bought some kids some iPads and. Uh, Lake Charles, that had special needs after Hurricane Laura. Then we did a baseball scholarship at uh, LBA, where Evan played his best years of his life that he, he enjoyed playing baseball. Uh, a guy I went to school with, and uh, so I, I approached him with it, so I, w- I want to pick up a kid's tuition for a year, but I just don't want to give it to a kid. So he came up with the idea that uh, these people are going to have to apply for it. So don't know the kids' names. They had player A, B, C, D, and E. And so as a family, we each get a vote, which is probably one of the hardest things I've had to do because we had five applicants that was like, who do you choose? We all chose somebody different as a family. Uh, and somebody picked up the other one's kids. Uh, we still do that every year. Uh, we bought school uniforms from some kids uh, in the Terrebonne Parish area. Uh we do have opportunities to do other things, kind of big, but we don't want to go big. Uh, I want to stay here, uh, you know. I want to give back to the community. That, that gave to everything that gave to, to us, us in our time of need. So let's talk about Hope Squad and the mission and, and goals of, of this endeavor. So Hope Squad is actually a peer-to-peer intervention program um, for schools. Um, They like to focus on grades 8 through 12. And um, it is a costly program because the kids are trained um, and the advisors are very well trained um, to handle 
situations. Um, it started in Utah with a doctor in Utah because I think his high school had maybe 17 suicides in one year. And so um, he said, I have to do something. And um, he came up with Hope Squad. And so the first school in Louisiana to get a Hope Squad was Lutcher High School um, after the tragic loss of one of their um, students. So we approached Evans School, which was Virtual Academy of Lafouche. Now, this is a hard one because, again, you have a stigma and people think if you talk about it, then that gives people ideas. And um, I am very proud to say that uh, Virtual Academy of Lafouche is getting the program and they are extremely excited. Um, they will focus first on the Thibodeau location and the down the bayou location, which I think is in Galliano. So it's going to be at both of those locations. And it's a peer-to-peer -peer intervention, so the peers are trained um, and to be that trustworthy individual that if someone is feeling down or having, you know, thoughts of suicide or just having bad thoughts or um, struggling with their mental health, that it's somebody that they can go to and be comfortable with to discuss. Um, and then that peer contacts an advisor and the advisor takes over from there. So that's that's definitely one thing I wanted to touch on as, as we start to wrap up here. I, I wanted to see, I mean, like you said, y'all had a lot of questions and, and you didn't see a lot of things beforehand, but you've learned a lot on this journey uh, since then. So what advice would you have uh, for parents with teenagers, with children, and, and can you give us a, a list of resources that they can uh, seek out as well? Absolutely. Um, just to be involved. Um, I mean, we were involved in Evan's life, but very much so. But a lot of times, say, we were going out to dinner as a family, and he's like, no, just bring me something back. I don't, I don't feel like going. Just bring me something back. And those are things that I wish I would have said, no, you come, you're coming with us. But then but that's something that we struggle back and, and forth, forth with. Because, I mean, we talk to other parents and if his friends, like, oh, we do it all the time because he don't want to come. They're too busy playing that game. Right. Or was he that depressed, you know, in, in pain and it was painful for him to exit the house? You know, it, it, would that have been something that was just too painful for him to get no, out of the I, house? Amanda and even I had a conversation with Evan about suicide. Uh, being a cop, he would. He would come home. I would come home. How was your night? Or how was your, your shift, Dad? You know, this, that. And, and some things I would tell him. And, and he was like, man, y'all really do that? So, yeah, you know. So, it, it's, I mean, for parent to a parent, I mean, just, I mean, we had an open open door policy at my house. I mean, I don't know what I would have done different. Uh, I just think it's good to have communications. Look, something that you, you may think is minor uh, might be a big deal to them. I mean, it could be as simple thing as of of going with y'all to to an outing, to a wedding. That that might be like putting pressure on them. I mean, just the the simple why or I mean, I, or I, if you hear your child focusing a lot on their future, um, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know 
what I want to be. I don't just let them know that that's okay. They don't have to know that right now. I mean, how many of us have went to college and, you know, changed our major 10 times before we actually got a degree? I mean, it, they don't have to know that, but for some reason, this generation feels like they're supposed to know what their future is going to be like. And Evan did feel that pressure. We do know that because he talked to us about that. And he said he felt because he was so smart that people thought he had to do something great. great. And, I, and I told him, I, I said, I don't care if you work at, at O'Reilly's. It doesn't bother me. Well, do whatever you feel like doing. So he, he wanted to join the, the Air Force. So I said, that's fine. Whatever you want to do, do. I'm cool with it. Yeah, I mean, just, but they feel so pressured, so much pressure now. And, uh, you know, I think it's social media and, you know, you know what everyone around you is doing and this one is great and this one is great, so you have to be great too. And that's just not the case. Let your children take their time to be who they are. You know, they do not have to know at 16 years old, 17 years old, 18 years old, what they're supposed to be doing. As long as they're doing something positive, then, you know, they are, they're doing. So there are several resources. Well, first, let me tell you about, um, we're having a bike ride. The um, It's tentatively scheduled for September 11th. And this is a bicycle ride. Last year, some people got confused and thought it was motor motorcycles. But this is bicycles. And um, the Louisiana Eastside Riders Club, um, which is Chad and Mandy Pruitt, um, they had just came to us and wanted to do something. So they put this bike ride together. And so this year, we're not only riding for Evan, but we're riding for another child in our community. Um that committed suicide and it is called the ride against suicide um and basically we meet at big lots in Thibodeau and on bicycles and it's at night so everybody decorates their bicycles with lights and um the Thibodeau the city of Thibodeau is just amazing with this they um escort the bike ride yeah, escort um, and block off the roads so everybody's safe so everybody's safe the kids just thought it was the coolest thing to ride down canal boulevard with you know at night with their bike lights on and then we go to the park and have a candlelight vigil and we honor and all the all of those that have all of uh, chad many do a good job of going back and what they can find of statistics statistics of people in that, our parish and our parish that lost that claim a loss to suicide and so it's kind of honoring all that. And so we do a candlelight vigil. Uh, we released some balloons last year. Uh, Chad gives a speech. Uh, we talked last year. And then from there, we're going to proceed this year to ride all the way back to uh, Big Lots. Big Lots. Because the kids just wanted to keep riding we'll keep because riding. it was the coolest thing. So they do $5 a bike. You just show up. You don't have to register. Um, you just show up there. And um, you pay your $5, and we get in line, and we all ride together. Um, so some the local hotline that people can use is called Call Link. And um, someone local will answer this call. This is not someone from, you know, California that's going to answer. This is actually through South Central Louisiana Human Services Authority. And that number is 877 500 
And there's also the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, um, which would be somebody not local, um, which is 800-273-8255. Parentguidance.org is a great uh, parental resource for children with mental illness. Um, And, of course, like I said about Hope Squad, so... um, and how, how can people uh, get more information on Hope Squad? On Hope Squad, you can go to hopesquad.com. They have so much information on there, um, all the schools that they're involved in, um, how the program works, um, how much the program costs. Um, so that's a great um, resource if you want to try to get that into your child's school. It's a school-based um, program. And... And 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 we uh we we go out and talk. We is just to do it to help people. Uh, uh, one of the uh, first responders, uh, ambulance service in, in Lafourche Parish, Acadia. One of their guys reached out to see if we'll go talk for them. Me and Amanda. I mean, if if anybody wants us to come to talk to tell our story, we we welcome that. Uh, we we do it out of the kindness of our heart. Uh, where I work now, Mr. Mike uh, Fazing, he. Uh, that's I just tell him when I gotta go and he's he's cool with it. So I mean I have his backing. Uh, we we've talked to a family before, like uh, like like we said earlier, that two days later they call for us to go talk to him. Uh, we don't mind doing that. That's what we're here for. We uh, find peace and hope in telling Evan's story and helping other people. We we go through rough rough patches where absolutely like you don't go a second out thinking about him. I mean. Your your new way of life is is different. Uh, it's it's weird. Uh, you, I still have that feeling that I'm gonna come home one day and he's gonna come out of his room. That's this is a big dream, but it's not. So you just gotta find the positive in it. You gotta stay positive, uh, and just give back, man. That's that's what uh that's what we're about. So if anybody needs anything, uh. You can find us. We live in a small town. People hunt us down. Oh, so Hattie wants me to tell y'all a quick funny story about Evan that happened like two days before. Um, He was heating up the, what is it? Um, 90 second rice. Instant rice or something. Yeah, 90 second rice or whatever. And so he opens the packet and he puts it in the microwave and he presses 130 start. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, Evan, you put that for too long. I said, when it blows up in the microwave, I said, that's 90-second rice. (laughs) I said, when it blows up in the microwave, you're going to clean it up. And he's laughing hysterically. And, I mean, like, on his knees. And he said, you cannot be serious. And I'm like, what do you mean? Can I, like, I'm not cleaning it up. You're cleaning up the microwave. I can't even reach. I'm too short to get to the top. And he's like, Mom, please tell me this is a joke. And so it took me a minute, and then I realized what was happening, that 90 seconds is one minute and 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so, uh, Amanda and, and Bart, thank you all so much for taking us on this journey. And, and uh, that, that lighter story actually is a great segue for us. To enter our wrap-up segment, um, we uh, at the end of every show, we always have a round of rapid-fire questions for our guests. 
and of course, they're related to life on the bayou. You can give us a one-word answer or expand on the answer if you feel you need to explain. It's entirely up to you. Uh, but this is a great opportunity for us to segue into something positive as as we sign off. So, are y'all ready? Yes. yes. All right. So we'll start with Bart. Uh, what's your go-to order at a down the bayou restaurant? Ooh, Rosie's Cafe. You gotta be the, uh, the grits and grits. That's that's down the bayou. That's on a on a weekend. Oh man, you can't beat that. <laughs> and what about you, Amanda? Um, I guess you know the a roast beef po' boy. Definitely a roast beef po' boy. You can't go wrong. I I agree. Gold pulls, yeah. Yeah. All right, so now some tougher questions. Uh, you're eating potato salad. Does it go in the gumbo or on the side? On the side. In the gumbo. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why y'all are perfect for you. Yeah. Uh, jambalaya, red. Do you prefer red or brown? Brown. 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 Uh, what's your? Do you have a favorite Cajun French word or phrase and its meaning? Tadu. <laughs> And I'm not looking at my wife. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? Hard head. Oh. Oh, that's always good. <laughs> oh, goodness. I don't know. My mom used to say a lot, but I don't think they were appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> we get that a lot. All right, so we'll go to easier. What's your favorite snowball flavor? Oh, man, that's a tough one for me. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, every time I go, I get something different. But probably my go-to is probably the green spearmint. I like having a green tongue after. Rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) All right, finally, and this is is the toughest one. When a boat is passing and you're sitting in the car, is the bridge open or closed? Open for the boat, but closed for us. And I'm probably cursing because I can't get where I want to (laughs) go. So you would say it's closed. I'll say it's closed. Okay. Yeah, I would say it's closed. All right. (laughs) All right. That's a funny question. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, uh, that'll do it for us on this episode of the DTB podcast. Again, we want to thank our guests, uh, Bart and Amanda Matisse. Uh, Guys, we really appreciate y'all coming on and tell us your story. We sincerely appreciate it. Thank you guys for having us. We thank y'all for joining us. Uh, And for you listeners out there, you can subscribe to the DTB podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the DTB podcast. You can also follow Bless Your Heart Nonprofit on Facebook or on Twitter at BYH Nonprofit. You can donate to Bless Your Heart Nonprofit on Venmo at Bless Your Heart Nonprofit and at PayPal at Bless Your Heart Nonprofit at gmail.com. That'll wrap it up for us on the DTV podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button for our next episode. Until then, this is Brendan Mathern. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.